welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there is always more to life. My name is Pastor Jeremy Bass. It's good to be with you all here in the Vine Worship this morning. Uh, I'm the pastor of discipleship here at the church and the main preacher of this service. Uh, During the meet and greet about who your favorite or who you think is going to win the World Series, Erica leans over to me and says, is that soccer? Uh, So that is the cross that I bear in my household. So I would appreciate your prayers in that area. Uh, Would you all bow your heads with me for a word of prayer? Oh, kids. Kids, y'all can go back. K through second. You can go back. All right, would y'all pray? Uh, My God and my King, would you take great joy at the words that you hear today and take great joy at our response at the proclamation of your gospel? Would you open up our hearts and minds to hear the truth that you want us to receive and give us hearts willing to respond gratefully to your call in our lives? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. So we... uh, had a couple staff people uh, and lay people come back from New Room about a week and a half ago, and so you're about to hear a lot of New Room stories, so I got my sermon story bank refreshed, so y'all are, y'all are ready for it. We are starting a new sermon series called Answering God's Call. Looking at the different call stories that we see throughout Scripture, there's so many call stories, but we're highlighting a few to look at the different ways that God calls us deeper. How does God call us to be his church? How do we respond to God's call in our lives? Just the very different ways to understand calling. It's such a big word we often throw out in the church and in Christian circles. And our hope is that through this series, you can kind of take some uh, tangible ways to understand God's call and some tangible ways to follow after Jesus better. And so today we're going to be looking in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 18 through 25, the call of the first disciples, if you have your Bibles, want to open that up. But before we read scripture, I want to start off with a story. Uh, There's this one Methodist bishop, his name is Will Willimon, and before he was a bishop, he was a chaplain at Duke University. And he's told this story about how when he was a chaplain, there was this woman who came up to him. Uh, this uh, new freshman, and really got involved at the Christian life at Duke. Really just went all in for Jesus, all into the Christian activities. And while she was doing that, she felt a call of God on her life to go and be a missionary from Africa, to abandon why she had gone to Duke in the first place and instead go to be a missionary in Africa. And so Will Willimon really got to know this young lady and was discipling her, and it came time for her to graduate, and the bishop said, you know, I would really love to meet your family, just to see the the type of family that raised an incredibly godly young woman such as yourself. And the young woman says, you know, uh, pastor, I don't think that's a really good idea. And Will was like, "Uh, why not? I'm amazing. Why would they not want to meet me? And she says, they don't want to meet you because they blame you for throwing my life away. And Will Wilmon's like, well, I'll see about that. So come time for graduation, and the bishop goes, and he he sees the young lady, and he meets her parents, and he says, hi, I'm I'm Will Wilmon. I'm the chaplain here at Duke. And the the mom points her finger at him and says, you, 
you're the one who made my daughter throw her life away. And uh, the bishop was kind of taken aback, and he says, well, well, ma'am, I, I just have a question for you. You're Methodist, right? And she said, yes. And he's like, well, you got your daughter baptized as an infant, right? And she said, yes. And she said, well, when you did that, you, you gave your child over to the Lord. And so, really, this is your fault. Uh, <laughs> you were the one that made, made her be a disciple of Christ. And at that, the mom just, just broke down in tears. And she said, I never wanted this for her. All I wanted was for her to be a good person. And so when we look at calling, look at the call of God in our lives, have we become content? Have we wanted God's call to be a fluffy, watered-down version of the true call in our lives? Have we thought of God's call in our lives to simply be a good, moral person? Or is the call of God in our life something deeper? something more transformative, something more challenging. So we're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, starting in verse 18 through 25. This is the call of the first disciples in the Gospel. It says this, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come and follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, and they were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father, and they followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all through over Syria, and people brought to him all who were suffering from various diseases, those who were suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region Across the Jordan, all followed him. So as we look at the call of God, the first thing that we can see in this gospel story is that the call of God is disruptive in our lives. That God's calling is disruptive. We see here, beginning with Peter and Andrew, it says that they were doing their normal fisherman stuff. They were doing their career, they were doing their job, they were doing their normal nine-to-five everyday living, and then Jesus comes onto the scene, and he calls them to do something else, that he disrupts their normal way of living, he disrupts their career path, he disrupts everything with this single invitation, come and follow me. And again, a little bit later, we see the exact same situation with James and John that they're preparing to continue on the family business of being fishermen. That their father, Zebedee, was a fisherman, and so his sons would be fishermen as well. That they're just sort of living the normal, commoner life that I will do what my father has done. And then Jesus comes into the scene and says, I want you to come and follow me. And they left their career, they left their jobs, they left their future And they went and followed after Jesus. That this call of God is inherently disruptive in our lives. This divine calling, 
It's not something we can formulate on our own. It has to come from outside of ourselves. It has to come from God. It's not something we can make up on our own. Oftentimes, one of the most common questions people ask me is, Jeremy, I don't know what God's calling is on my life. I don't know what my call is. And so we're going to be looking and unpacking that today. But first, you'll need to know is that the call of God is not something we formulate on our own. It comes from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. That this calling disrupts their normal way of life their comfortable way of life, the way that they've always done things. And Jesus invites them into living a kingdom life, which is better, but in the middle of the disruption, it may not necessarily feel better. That Jesus, we see, calls Peter upward. You will be fisher of people. See, this calling is an upward calling, that the disruption that God brings to our lives is to a higher calling, to not just live like everyone else, to be different from other people. And yet this disruption requires a response, that Jesus gives these disciples the invitation, but they still have to choose, am I going to follow Jesus Or am I going to stay what I've been doing and keep doing what I've been doing my whole life? They had to respond and they had to choose Jesus or staying put. And when we hear God's call on our lives, we have the same choice too. Am I going to stay put where I am or am I going to be obedient and follow after Jesus? It's not something we're forced into. We have to choose to accept this invitation. And there's two different types of callings that we see in the Christian life. We have what's called the the general calling, and we have what's called the specific calling. So the general call is something that all of you have over your lives right now. Uh, It's the call of God for every single Christian from the beginning of the church till the end of time. It's the call to be a disciple of Christ to fulfill the Great Commission, to be a disciple and to go and be a disciple maker. That is the fundamental call that you and I and every single person sitting in this room, every single person, no matter the denomination, has that profound, simple call on their lives. This is the general call, the general ministry of the church as we talk about. That Jesus has called you into ministry. In our culture, we, I think we love to leave the business and the ministry up to the professionals, the professionals, the people who are hired by the church, people that work for the church, people like me, that we, oh, that's the pastor's job, that's something that they do, that's something the staff does, those are for, those are for people that we pay to do that. But we see in the truth of the gospel message and the truth of the power of the Holy Spirit that if we have been truly been gifted by the Holy Spirit, if we have been sent out by the Holy Spirit, if we have been filled by the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit gives us work to do, gives us a call to do, gives us ministry to do, allows us to participate in building up the kingdom of God. Because friends, if it was just up to me to build the kingdom, we would be going nowhere fast. It's up to all of us together that this is something we're all in together. 
if we're going to pursue after Jesus, if we're going to be disciples of Jesus and be disciple makers, we have to take that call on our lives seriously. It's not something we can outsource to someone else. And we need to reclaim this vision of each and every one of us is called by God, not just me. My primary calling is not to preach, it's not to teach, it's not to lead a church. My primary call on my life is to be a disciple. It's to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, to follow after him, to pursue holiness and sanctification and be obedient to him in my personal life. That is my primary call on my life. And we see the general call of the church, and then we have these specific calls, which is there is an area in the church of Jesus Christ that the Lord has set your heart on fire for, or will set your heart on fire for. This holy discontent, this thing inside of you that you say, I I need to do something about it, and it's the very area that God will gift you and give you the power to be able to pursue that these specific callings, these specific things that we are passionate about in the church. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's handiwork, we are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. This specific calling that we have is the good works that Jesus himself has prepared for you. That God has created specific things with you in mind. He's created specific tasks with you in mind. That's something that only you can fulfill. Because he's called you. He's chosen you. Thanks again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment, but first, we would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work. You know, in my own life, my call story was disruptive. It was disruptive in my own life. Uh, I was a sophomore in high school at a UMRE mission trip, and I don't know about you, but when I was a sophomore, I had my whole life planned out from beginning to end. I don't know if anyone else in here who's in high school has their whole life planned out, but I, I sure had my life planned out. I was going to go to a and I was going to study genetics. I was going to do groundbreaking genetics research because that's how arrogantly I thought of myself in high school. Um, <laughs> And I was at a UMRE mission trip, and I volunteered to go do the opening prayer, and the Lord just overcame me. The power of the Holy Spirit overcame me. And words just started coming out of my mouth during the prayer, and I thought, uh, this is weird. Uh, words are coming out of my mouth, but they're not my words, and they're not my thoughts. This is the most bizarre thing I've ever felt. And right in the middle of that, I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit say, this is what I want you to do for the rest of your life. That disruptive call on our lives this life-shaking call that my plans were to do something and Jesus says, hey, why don't we go do this instead? But just as we see the disciples, it was a disruptive call on their lives that Jesus did the same for my life. And this invitation to kingdom work was a difficult call and it was one, frankly, that I didn't want to do when I first got the call. I'd seen how church people treated my dad and I thought, I don't want that. 
that the call of God is unshakable. And he just kept calling and he kept pursuing. And now I can't see myself doing anything else. That this specific call that God had placed on my life was what the Lord had set my heart on fire to do. We see that calling is an invitation to deeper discipleship. So the first thing we see in this story is that calling is disruptive. And the second thing we see is that calling is simply following after Jesus. Calling is following. It's a good rhyme. I don't like rhymes, but this one works. Calling is following. Calling is following after Jesus. Look at, looking back at this Matthew passage, starting in verse 20, it says this, At once they left their nets and they followed him. Verse 22, it says this, Immediately they left their boat and their father and they followed him. And then at the end in verse 25, Large crowds of the whole region, what did they do? Followed him. At this repetition of the word follow in this call passage, and who are we following? We're following Jesus. We're following Jesus. That this is the fundamental nature of call and both the general call and the specific call is we're following after Jesus. This invitation, come and follow me. Come and follow me. General call is what we see for all of us while specific call is while we're following Jesus along the general way. While we're following after Jesus along obedience in the same direction, Jesus says, hey, uh, why don't we come do this over here? Why don't we come do this over here now? Why don't we come do this? That this specific call is Jesus just guiding us to where he is already leading us along the path. That we're following after a person. That one of the common phrases of discipleship in those days of people who were learning from rabbis is it says that their disciples followed so closely to their rabbi that they were covered in the dust of their rabbi. It's a great image of what following after Jesus has looked like. Are we following so close to Jesus that we're covered in his dust? That we're covered by Jesus? Discipleship and calling is following after Jesus. And what that means, too, is that Jesus goes on ahead of us. That Jesus doesn't just send us out and he sits back and he chills on the throne. But Jesus goes out ahead of us. And that we follow after him and we just follow where he's leading. You know, when I like to think about ministries and what ministries are we doing at the church, one of the things I like to pray is, Lord, where are you already moving and working? Lord, where is it that you're moving so that I can just follow after you better? One of my prayers that I pray for myself is, Lord, help me be a better follower of you. Like I said, one of the common things people say to me is, I don't know what my calling is. What they mean by that is, I don't know what my specific calling is. And friends, I want you to hear today that that's okay. That's okay. You don't have to know what your specific calling is. I think we put too much pressure on ourselves that if I don't have a specific call of God on my life, then God uh, doesn't love me, doesn't care for me, doesn't have anything good for me. But I think what we can see here is that as long as we're following after Jesus and being obedient to our general call, that he will call us along the way. He will give us specific tasks to do along the way. That we can focus in the middle of our waiting, that we can follow after Jesus. 
and be a disciple of his. We can follow Jesus and wait. Like my specific calling, I needed to fulfill my general calling before the Lord gave me specific callings. So for instance, uh, some of my specific callings and ministries I feel like the Lord has given me is a healing ministry. That's why we started a healing service here. I feel the Lord giving me a call to church plant. I feel like the Lord's given me a call for addiction ministry. But in order to be called to healing ministry, the Lord had to heal my soul first and restore hope about the possibility of what God could do. Before the Lord called me to church planning, he had to make me discontent for the state of the church. Before the Lord called me to addiction ministry, he had to set me free first. And following in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ, he calls us to do specific tasks that as we're discipled by him, he empowers us to do the good work he has set out for us. That it was formed and shaped by the good work of Jesus in my life. So if we're keeping our eyes on Jesus, if we're keeping our eyes on the cross of Christ, we need to keep our focus and keep following after the Lord. Obedience is the love language of Christ. Obedience is the love language of God. It's about saying yes to Jesus over and over again. That's the fundamental nature of calling, that calling when the Lord calls us, we have a choice. Are we going to respond and say yes or are we going to say no? And so the more we say yes, the more obedient we are, the more the Lord gives us. There's that parable where Jesus says, if you're not obedient in the little things, how can I trust you with the greater things? Fundamentally, calling means that we're no longer in charge. It means that Jesus is in charge. That we're following after Jesus, that I'm no longer leading the adventure of my life, but Jesus is leading the adventure of my life, and I'm just going to follow him wherever he goes, wherever that takes me. It's this image of like a tightrope walker. When you're walking across the tightrope, what they do is they don't focus on all the things around them. They keep their eyes focused and fixated on a set point in front of them, and they walk forward in that set point regardless of what happens. And that's the image of following and responding to the call of Jesus. That our eyes are set and fixed and focused on Jesus, that we're just taking one step in front of the other. So fixed and focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. Here we have the call of Peter and Matthew. Jesus says, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. We hear that general call, call, come and follow me. Come and be discipled by me. And then we hear that specific call, you will be a fisher of people. What's interesting is we see that along Peter's path of discipleship, the Lord calls Peter to follow him in different ways. See, at the end of Gospel of John, after Peter's screwed his life up, after he's denied Jesus three times, that the moment of Peter's most desperate need, the moment of Jesus' most desperate need, Peter denies him. We see the restoration in John 21. After the restoration, Jesus says this to Peter, starting in verse uh, 18. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And he said to him, come and follow me. 
hear the call of Christ. You see this call on Peter's life to go and give up his very life to follow after Jesus. What I love in church history, I heard this story at New Rooms. Here's a New Rooms story for y'all. When Peter was about to be executed, so uh, in church tradition, Peter and Paul were both executed under the Roman persecution of Nero in about the mid-60s. And Paul was executed first. And it says that the disciples and the, the Christians in Rome were so terrified of what could happen to Peter that they said, hey, Peter, uh, it might be a great idea if you left right now. And Peter's like, you know what? That sounds like one of the best ideas y'all have ever had. And so Peter leaves Rome. And as he's leaving Rome, he, comes, he has this vision of the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ And he's carrying a cross around his shoulder, and he's walking back into Rome. And so he looks at Jesus, Peter looks at Jesus and says, Lord, what are you doing? And he says, I'm going back to Rome to be crucified again. It says that Peter stops. It says that the Lord then took Peter by the hand and led him back into Rome where Peter was then crucified upside down because he didn't feel worthy to be crucified in the same way as our Lord. That Jesus goes ahead of us. That Jesus went before Peter to be crucified again. And that where Jesus calls us, even if it's into a difficult place, even if it's all the way in Africa, Jesus grabs us by the hand, says, I'll go with you. I'm not going to go, I'm not going to send you someplace that I am not willing to go myself. This great adventure that the Lord calls us upon. So I'd like to invite the band and communion stewards up. As we close this, as we open this series, and we hear the invitation of Christ to come and follow him, to be his disciple, let's respond with obedience. That the Holy Spirit who calls us is the same one who gives us the grace to be able to respond. And so as we step into this series, let us trust that God will speak to us, that God will call us, he will invite us, and all we have to do is say, yes, Lord, I will follow you. We have a few uh, response questions that will be up on the screen right now during the Uh, communion time. The first is, has Jesus shaken you from what is comfortable into something deeper? The second is, are you covered in the dust of our rabbi, King Jesus? Uh, As I was praying for this sermon, the the Lord gave me a word for someone, uh, and that usually doesn't happen, so I'm going to go ahead and give it. Um, The Lord brought to my mind uh, the book of Hosea, which is one of the Old Testament prophetic books. He brought to my mind Hosea, chapter 2, verse 14, which says this, Isaiah two fourteen. Therefore, I'm going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her there. But maybe there's someone here who feels like you're in the middle of the desert, in the middle of a deep darkness and a deep depression, and you feel like you've been in that desert and you're wondering where the Lord is. Hear this word of hope. Jesus who leads us into the desert will allure you to himself and pour out his love upon you and speak tenderly to you in the middle of your desert place. 
So if that's you, if that word resonates with you, I'll be over there. I would love to pray with you. But as we transition to communion, as we remember the sacrifice of our Lord who chose a cross for our sake, before he chose the cross, he was with his friends, he was with his disciples, and he broke bread after dinner. He said, this is my body. Take it and eat it. Whenever you do it, do it in remembrance of me because I'm breaking my body for you. And after the supper was over, he took the cup, he gave it to his disciples, and he said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink of this, do this in remembrance of me. One thing Nurem also convicted me of is the need for repentance in our Christian life. Uh, repentance is simply just telling the Lord the sins that we've already committed. We tell the Lord our sins not so we can be shamed for it, but so we can be set free. So let's say the, a prayer of confession now together. It should be up on the screen. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. We have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Friends, uh, would you bow your heads now for a time of silent confession? we hear the good news of Jesus. So friends, hear the good news that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. This proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Lord, would you pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here on these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world disciples transformed by the power of your Holy Spirit that we might go forward from this place knowing that you are calling us into something so much greater and grander than we can ever imagine for ourselves. Lord, give us obedient hearts. Give us a heart to follow after you because your way is so much better than ours. Until we follow you all the way into victory, we feast in your heavenly banquet now and forever. So, Lord, we pray the prayer that your son taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, the table is set. Would you come and receive? We do have gluten-free elements up here at the front. Just simply request them.